0: So, it is what is today? February 1st, 2022, and it is a Tuesday. We just had a great lab day. It seemed like it was fun. At least it was fun to me. And um I'm ready for Thursday's career to do the same thing. So, your first test. Well, it may not be your first test if you're listening to this and you're not my student. Um but your first tests official unit tests are coming up and your chemistry test is going to open friday and close monday night and we will not have lecture on monday for chemistry so that you can have time to basically you know carve out time for that um and then your hematology test will be next week in lab during lab and What we're going to do Monday is review hematology during your lecture time. So, uh, we're going to do that. And then I am going to give you a brief uh, review assignment for Monday before the test. On Tuesday and on Thursday. So that right before the test, we can review. There you go. Because the idea is not making a killer grade the idea is learning the information so yeah killer grade's nice whatever if, uh, a is great but I have seen students who make b's who know the information much better than some students who may have made an a and I couldn't say that because okay I'm, I'm gonna admit something I can't to really admit this um so I was at about 400 students in my high school graduating class I was number seven and that was pretty good right um obviously that wasn't good enough my mama was always hoping I'd be valedictorian it wasn't too much pressure anyway that's that's for another podcast so so number seven I had a full paid scholarship to North Carolina State and Raleigh yada 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 I never read a book from cover to cover okay I took all of the advanced placement courses, I took AP credits, I took the tests. I got college credit, all of the things. I never read a book cover to cover, ever. I did the bare minimum and I had a very good memory and so I was able to memorize a lot of things and looking back now I didn't learn anything. (laughs) <laughs> I guess I may have learned a few things, but I never learned anything t- to the degree of being able to transfer it to its context of use, so to speak. So I never used anything that I that I thought I learned. So I've known a lot of um, situations where individuals will memorize things for the test and then forget it. You can't memorize things for what you're learning in this program. It won't work because you've got to know the content you're dealing with patient samples and and if you don't know the content and know how to find the correct result then you know you could cause a lot of harm does that mean there's no memorization no there there's memorization absolutely but it's not the kind that you rely on for your knowledge base so um my advice is someone who has taken uh an insane amount of college courses is that unless you are seeking to be eligible for specific scholarships that require a certain GPA, B's get degrees. A's A's get degrees too, but B's get degrees. And your employer's never going to look at your GPA and say, well, you know what? You had a 3.0 oh." And guess what? That ain't good enough for us. They're never going to do that. In fact, it's very rare that an employer in the clinical lab asks for a transcript or even a, any kind of academic information. As long as you have the degree and you have the certification, you're eligible for the job. Now, academia is different. So obviously the college has to prove that I know what I'm doing so that I can teach you. So it's different. Now, if you're planning to go into academia one day then you want to maybe step back and say yeah bees get degrees but if someone looks at my transcript they might say well you had this that and that um, but generally for um, an applied uh, associate of applied science you don't have to worry about that okay that's enough about grades because I hate grades they're awful they're terrible today what I saw in class was A group of students actively learning how to gather data to establish an acceptable range. I saw individuals who assessed whether or not an instrument was usable, (laughs) if it would give reliable results. I saw individuals who can create a Levy Jennings chart. I saw students who uh, know how many oxygen molecules are in one hemoglobin molecule and can basically make a hemoglobin molecule. Not really, guys, on the Thursday crew, but anyway. So, um, whenever we have lab and we're able to make something or do something with the information that you're learning, it's going to connect better because even if it's silly and strange, you'll remember that and you'll connect with it. So, I'll tell you a story. This afternoon, I had a department chair meeting, and I, I guess you guys can tell I'm a goof. I love to have a good time, and life is too damn short to be all uptight, and my grandparents used to say hoity-toity, if you know what I mean. Like, um, you know, we all put our pants on the same way, essentially, and we all came in this world the same way. We're all going to leave the world the same way. So, in between those two times, I want to have a as much good time many good times as possible so Heather and I we went and got us some lunch we ate at chopsticks if you haven't gone to chopsticks it's I, I like chopsticks it's good um which is not far from school so We get back, and the department chair meeting's at three, and I don't know if you guys saw, but I had bought slingshots that will fling little rubber poop emojis, because the plan was maybe, you know, one group used the Nerf guns, one group used poop emojis, And but the poop emojis wouldn't have worked. So, Heather helped me. I'm actually going to blame Heather for the whole thing, because she fixed the little Uh, crap swing. Um, took a pipe cleaner and tied it to the little poop emoji. We held it or we mounted it in front of the camera on the smart board so that when I logged into my zoom meeting with the other 12 department chairs and the Dean, you saw a poop emoji. And then you saw obviously the lab in the background. Well, you know, I am a professional, right? I'm a professional and I know how to behave in a professional manner um, but I also have seen a lot of tragedy in my career, and oftentimes humor actually helps you get through that. So I didn't say anything, and I could see the faces of my other department chairs, and And Terry Herring is the department chair of surgical tech, and he put his mask on, and you could tell he was smiling underneath it. And so the dean asked me, she goes, okay, I get the the poop emoji but what's sticking out of the side so i had to take them down and show them my slingshot and i said we we we, we did some statistics today and we i was going to use this to prove a point but you know we used something different and she goes okay like that wasn't (laughs) appropriate but it really wasn't because it used something relevant to what you see normally in society today so if we had have used the poop emoji slingshot um, which by the way if you go by where was it at Dollar General I got it at the Dollar General it's a cute little poop emoji so um, any t- it creates this mental model in your mind and whenever if we had used it when you use the poop emoji when you saw it you would have remembered what we did with it just like the nerf guns today so maybe you will or maybe you won't but when you see a nerf gun you're probably going to remember the time that you shot the nerf darts on the uh hood glass with paint right and that's going to trigger all of the other information that you learned as well which is excellent so Let's talk about learning science with this. So I'm going to just kind of stop for a minute. I'm in traffic and um, I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about how you learn. So I'm going to give you some strategies on working through the rest of this semester and how you can balance all of this content that you're that's coming at you so you can know it and not memorize it. So I'll be back in a bit. okay i'm back so let's talk about learning how to learn now i want you to think back to a time in either elementary school or even middle school high school or even college that's fine um think of a time that you had a teacher who taught you how to learn and when i say how to learn what i mean is the processes that go on in your brain and i'm not talking all of the specifics with bio 163 and all the stuff you know my I'm probably dredging up bad memories of that course, and I apologize. But <clears throat> think of a time when you had a teacher that says, "Okay, we are going to learn about whatever today, but before we do, I'm going to teach you how to learn." Imagine getting behind the wheel of a car for the first time and never being taught how to drive. Okay, so you got your 16 or whatever, and your parent says i need you to drive the car to the store and you've never sat behind the wheel you've never cut the car on you don't know how to put it in drive it's got all these bells and whistles on it you don't know where the lights are because you never had to do it right so we don't have that problem well well i take that back some people might have that problem If you ask my husband about it, a lot of people have that problem. He has road rage bad. Like, he needs to be diagnosed. So, but you are taught how to drive. Whether a parent teaches you, whether you take driver's ed, which may have to be required to take driver's ed, you are taught how to drive. You're taught about, you know, where to place your hands on the wheel, even though you probably don't do that the same way you're supposed to now. Um, You're taught about the brakes. You're taught about the gas, the gears, Um, safety features and all of that so you know how to drive the car when you get behind the wheel so now i want you to think about learning from that perspective and sit down and you're taking let's say let's say you're taking bio 163 let it let's say you're taking bio 163 and it's not online okay it's actually face to face you have to go two days a week to class you have a lab once a week and you're learning anatomy and yeah it's still a five credit hour class but you know it's a little bit different so and you're the first thing you're going to start learning let's say is the cellular biology you're going to start at the very very base molecular level and you're going to work all the way up to to the whole system and your teacher says okay this this unit we are going to learn about the molecular level of life whatever okay so you know that you're going to be you're going to hopefully know something about cells and genetics um, chemicals things like that great how are you going to learn it what are you going to do so knowing how to operate your brain just like a car is 90% of the battle of learning, that's my opinion, not research-based, but if you know how information goes into your brain and how your brain processes it and the things that actually happen in your brain when you are learning, it helps you master your information much more easily, just like right now, okay? Your brain is focusing on listening to me in this podcast, right? You're you're focusing on listening to me in this podcast. You're focusing on what I'm saying about learning how to learn. You may have focused on the previous segment where I was talking about the, um, the test this week and next week and how we're going to review. Great. So your brain is focusing on that. And while you're listening to me, you know what, heck, you might be on an elliptical working out or you might be in your kitchen cooking dinner you might be doing some other task. So not only is your brain engaging in the, the motor movements of your body, but your brain is also engaging in, in, in discerning and synthesizing the information that you're hearing, right? What about, what about how your leg might feel on a chair that you're sitting on, specifically underneath your thigh near your knee? I bet if you're sitting down... You just felt that, right? You just felt the back of your leg, but you weren't feeling it before. When I say feel it, you realize that it's pressing against a chair. What just happened is your brain shifted your focus from me talking about learning and you doing your task or whatever it was doing. And if you were sitting, your brain shifted to the nerves on your thigh in the back near your knee and you detected the chair. But you don't think about that all the time. You don't think about parts of your nervous system and what they're touching and what that information is transferring into your brain. And learning is a lot like that, which is why it's very hard for some teachers to explain to children and adults how to learn. So I'm going to try. Okay, and what I'm going to share with you should hopefully help you as you move through all of this crazy content. And I'm going to tell you, I would probably die on the hill of I would probably die on the hill of battle going against anyone saying there's a program at Fayetteville Tech that's harder than yours, because I honestly believe you are in the hardest program that we have, and I'm sure that that would i would get in a debate with nursing and rad and all of that stuff and that that's great but you will come out of this program you'll have learned a ton of information you will not even come close to learning everything that you will know within the next five years okay so what i'm going to do is take another quick break and i'm going to come back and i'm going to explain to you about sensory memory and how your sensory memory transfers into your long-term memory i'll be right back okay so we're going to talk about several different strategies that you can use in order to help yourself learn this content this crazy content this totally foreign like a new language content in clinical lab, okay? So the first thing is I wanna talk to you about what we in my field like to call multimedia learning theory, okay? And what multimedia learning theory says is if you can input information into an individual in more than one sensory manner, then the likelihood of that individual learning that information at a deeper level increases. So, your senses are how you learn, okay? Like, we smell, we taste, we see, we hear, we feel, with touch, right? Um, and some people might think that they're psychic, and that's okay, because sometimes I think I am. That's another podcast. So, um, I want you to think about this. What does, let's see. Describe for yourself right now with me, and I'm going to describe it too. Describe what peanut butter tastes like on white bread, okay? Can you describe that? Some people are probably thinking nutty. What does nutty mean? Right? What does nutty mean? Well, it depends on the type of peanut butter you get, right? So, some people like Jif, and that's a little more salty. Some people like Peter Pan. It's got a bit of a sweeter taste to it. Um, But you can taste or your brain thinks it can taste whatever peanut butter you potentially like for me when I see certain things when I see certain images when um when something on Facebook might come up that triggers a memory from my childhood I can literally in my brain can smell I mean I don't literally smell it but my brain can smell that image right so Anytime you can use more than one sense to learn something, you need to do it, which is the reason that video works very well for a lot of instruction, because not only are you seeing it, you're hearing it. So, your eyes get the input visually from the video, the example, so you're watching the example, while your ears, your auditory system, is actually getting the content verbally. Right? So, if you add another sense in, like touch, okay, it makes the learning even more impactful. For instance, like today in lab, you were able to see the hemoglobin molecule, you were able to to hear me talk about it, and you were able to put your hands on something that would allow you to make the hemoglobin molecule. And if you think about it, I'm sure everybody has probably tasted blood at some time. If you've cut your finger and you stuck your finger in your mouth, you've cut yourself before you taste a metal, right? Don't go cut yourself, okay? Don't do that. Don't go cut yourself. But anytime you taste your own blood, if you if you cut your finger and you say, oh I'm my finger in my mouth, don't go do that. That's actually nasty. But it has a metallic taste. That is the iron in the actual red blood cells. And you connect with that information, so your brain actually takes that sent those sensory uh, pieces in the that are input into your ears, your eyes, and your fingers, and It breaks apart each piece and it says, okay, we heard this, we saw that, and we did this with our hands. And it creates a mental image in your brain of what the topic is so that when you have to explain that topic or demonstrate that topic to someone, you go back to all of those three senses and how you felt when you engaged in it. This happens fast. So sensory memory is also called short-term memory. And short-term memory is not that memory that says, okay, I'm going to tell you these numbers and think about them, okay? And then you forget them 30 seconds later. You don't know that sensory memory happens. Just like when I told you in the previous segment about, you know, uh, we're doing this and you're listening to me and you're probably cooking on the elliptical and, oh, can you feel your thigh pressing against a chair if you're sitting in it? And then you feel your leg, right? So, you don't know sensory memory happens. It All of that information, once it goes into your sensory memory, it literally takes nanoseconds to get into your long-term memory. And the reason that we say that people forget the information that they're learning is because it's the way the information goes in your brain. So, if you're only listening to something, it's not going to... Get as deep in your brain into long-term memory so that you can recall it more easily. But if you listen and see and actually simultaneously do something with it, it actually deepens that process. So, for example, in let's see, Westgard today, when we did that data collection, you created your own data. You put your hands to things. You created your own target. You saw your own accuracy and precision. You took that data, pen to paper, and actually did something with it. You guys were talking about it. So that whole experience was at least three senses that were engaged. Um, Generally speaking for what we do, uh, we can potentially use all of our senses except taste. Obviously we cannot use taste, because we do not taste biological samples. Yes, back in way back in the day, they used to taste urine. We do not do that. Do not ever taste any blood or body fluids, net. You're going to smell a ton of them and you already have, but you can't taste anything. So I want you to think about multimedia and how that works. And if there is a topic that you are struggling with in class, I want you to challenge yourself to make something. Pull up a video, like I told you today, and Thirsty's crew, you haven't seen this yet, but like I told you, with the pipe cleaners. Pipe cleaners, right? Yeah. If you're struggling with the antibodies, make them. Struggling with the just go, Just go buy a dollar pack of pipe cleaners, okay? And cut them up into the pieces of the antibody. Cut them up into the heavy chain, the light chain. You've got your fab region. You're going to have your your FC region. You've got your peritope, Right? So cut them up into those pieces, pop in a video that talks about the structure of an antibody, and while you're watching it and listening to it, make an antibody with the pipe cleaners. And you will be amazed at how much that will help you learn that content. Okay, so that's multimedia. Use as many senses as you can, except taste. You can't do it. Okay, I'm going to be back and tell you one more thing, and then we're going to call it a day. okay last quick segment of the day so we started off this semester by talking about self-regulation where you as a learner basically control your learning process everybody everybody learns in various ways so you you'll hear people say well my learning style I have to do it well yeah everybody has to do that but everybody can also learn by hearing seeing doing various ways okay so there is no one best way to learn imagine this imagine you have a neurosurgeon who's getting ready to um or who's evaluating you because you might need you know you might need some surgery for whatever reason and she tells you she goes well when i was in med school i always learned best by watching video that's my learning style visual if you wouldn't get your butt up off her table and get the heck out that office, I would come snatch you out, okay? So yes, a surgeon would need to watch a procedure, talk about a procedure, um, listen to other people talking about a procedure. And most importantly, they would need to actually experience it and do it. So you are doing all of these things and learning in various ways. And while you're doing that, you are regulating your own learning experience. Your regulation of your learning experience is going to be different than mine, right? It may take me longer to get a topic and understand it than it might you. And that's okay. It doesn't matter because... At the end of the day we both got it, right? So self-regulated learning theory says that basically there are three phases that a learner needs to engage in purposefully in order to self-regulate and be autonomous with their learning and this is why I told it to you early in the when we started in the semester because if you're doing asynchronous classes then you really have to be good at this, okay? Um, I'm actually doing a research study on this right now about how we can create activities that help you do this. The first step is to set a goal for yourself. And you know what? You can start small. Let's say that this week you're going to, okay, I am going to set a goal for myself that I will have everything submitted by Saturday evening at 5 p.m. Because... I want to have some free time and I don't want to rush on Sunday that is a goal okay so you work you work you work you work you get to Saturday and you're like oh crap I can't finish everything by 5 you enter the second phase which is basically you check your performance did you meet your goal no I didn't well why didn't you meet your goal Your answers would be different based upon what it is. After you find out why you didn't meet your goal, the next logical step would be, what can I do going forward in order to meet this goal next Saturday? Okay? And you come up with a different plan. Let's say that on Friday night you went out to the club and you stayed at the club until 4. Okay? Maybe it would be that you don't go to the club On Friday night or maybe it would be that if you went to the club you got home at 11 okay so that is the third phase when you come up with a new plan so that it gets you to your goal you try it out okay so let's say yeah I ain't going to the club all night I'm gonna go to the club and I'm gonna come home at 11 that way I won't be getting up at 2 I'll get up at 10 And those extra hours would help you meet your goal. Then, let's say, 5 o'clock Saturday comes around, the following Saturday, and you're like, okay, I got everything done by 5. Well, guess what you're doing now? You're assessing again. You're evaluating your performance again, that second phase. And you say, yes, it worked the next step is that you need to say, well, how can I make it better? Can I get it? Can I get my stuff done by noon? Right. And you're like, okay, let's set another, another change. Let's see if we can change it again. What else can, well, I tell you what, you know, I don't have to go to the club. So it's a three, it's a three step process that is like a cycle. Okay. So you set a goal, you work, Number two, you check to see, did you beat that goal and what you did? And if you didn't, what do you need to change? Number three, you actually reflect on that process and say, well, this is what I need to do to make it better. And then you do that. So as you're learning things, I want you to not focus on what you know that you know. Okay. If you know that you know it, own it and move on. I want you to focus on the things that you are struggling with. And I want you to apply these three steps with it. So set a goal for this topic that you don't know as well. And it doesn't need to be a big goal. It can, You start small. You're in a marathon right now. You're not in a sprint, okay? So set a small goal. Work toward that goal by whatever date that you set or whatever parameter you put around it. Once you get there, say, okay, how did it go? Did I meet it? Did I not meet it? you did meet it that's great how can you keep meeting it if you didn't meet it that's okay what can you do to meet it next time and then reflect on all of that and do it again that's how you master content that is complicated it's step by step but you have to do that you have to regulate that you have to control it and you have to deliberately go through these phases okay so that's enough of me talking to you for today I hope you got something out of this and that you'll find it impactful in whatever way. And oftentimes, you can use this in many, many more ways than just at school. Okay? All right. So, what we'll do is we'll come back on Friday and we will wrap up this week again. But this is kind of like your midweek podcast if you want to listen to it. So, I will see you either face-to-face, online, or in the movies tomorrow. Bye.